The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and we have got our eye on the enemy, powered by SB Nation and BleedingGreenNation.com. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Well, we've got a huge game on Sunday afternoon, as you well know. The Eagles taking on the Dallas Cowboys in yet the latest installment of this unbelievable rivalry between these two teams. Uh, We're going to get into all of the nuts and bolts about the game uh, coming up here in just a few minutes with uh, one of our friends uh, from Blogging the Boys, the Cowboys SB Nation site. But before we do that, just wanted to remind you guys to check out all of the other shows that we've got coming up this week here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Of course, uh, the Kiston Solak Show will have a couple of preview podcasts uh, looking uh, ahead at the Cowboys game this Sunday afternoon. You'll have BGN Radio with uh, BLG and Jimmy Kemsky also uh, giving you their thoughts and breaking down the matchups uh, ahead of this Sunday's game. Babes on Broad will be along later in the week as well to give you their thoughts on what's coming up on Sunday afternoon, as well as a lot of other shows. I will have a a BGN Memories up as I took a look back at uh, some recent late-season Eagles-Cowboys matchup with playoff implications, just like the one coming up uh, this Sunday afternoon. So make sure you check all of that stuff out uh, on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed this week. And join me to break down this Sunday's game against the Cowboys, what is essentially amounting to a playoff game, as obviously the winner uh, moves on and the winner is going to stay home. Well, actually, uh, in the Eagles' case, uh, they'd still need to win one more game. But the Cowboys can clinch the division with a victory on Sunday. Is R.J. Ochoa, staff writer for the SB Nation Cowboys site Blogging the Boys? You can follow him on Twitter at R.J. Ochoa. R.J., thanks for coming on Eye on the Enemy. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Uh, big fan of you guys. Uh, you know, 363 days out of the year. So, uh, you know, this is uh, <laughs> we're approaching one of those other two, though. And uh, it's always a fun week. Yeah, it's a healthy, it's a healthy um, uh, respect, and yet the needling is endless uh, on weeks like this because I mean, this is this is a great rivalry, man. I mean, they, this it's had its ups and downs uh, for a long time. Uh, the Cowboys dominated this rivalry, and then for a long time it was the Eagles, and it went back to the Cowboys. Now it's lately you guys have had the Eagles number uh, over the last couple of years. As Eagles fans, it's super duper frustrating. I'm not gonna lie to you. Um. <laughs> Since the start of 2018, there's also been some a couple of really weird games. The uh, the opening kickoff fumble recovery that really, you know, from our perspective, we can't see any reason why the Cowboys were awarded possession of the football in that game in Dallas. And then there was uh, uh, the game earlier this year where the Eagles turned the ball over on their first two possessions, set you guys up for a couple of touchdowns on short fields. It's it just it's it's been frustrating from the Philadelphia perspective of this rivalry as of late. 
Um, but uh, what's really cool about this rivalry over the last few years is that we've had a lot of games like this late in the season, week 16, week 17, where everything is on the line, and that's what we're setting up for again here this Sunday afternoon. How robust is this rivalry to you guys? I know it's, I know it's fierce on this side. How do you guys approach this rivalry? Well, you know, I think um, I think so much of rivalries within divisions is, you know, uh, based on quarterbacks. You know, for a long time, um, you know, Tony Romo and Eli Manning kind of worked in parallel. So for a long time, it was the Giants. You know, you got to get over the Giants. Uh, and so obviously, the the Dak and Wentz thing sort of added a new chapter to Cowboys Eagles. And uh, you know, th- there is something specific, and I'm I'm sure that that street goes both ways. Uh, you know, Cowboys fans hate the Giants and the Redskins, but I mean, it's the Eagles, you know, and, and they really hate them. And uh, it, it's always, you know, interesting. And in your eyes, there's always some sort of drama. Uh, and the fan base in Philadelphia is very passionate and very rabid. And that makes for, um, you know, I, I'll say that I don't know that Giants fans or Redskins fans are as vocal uh, on places like Twitter, for example. And so that really yeah. has added a new sort of element to this. Uh, Cowboys and Eagles fans going back at each other on Twitter. And you said it. I mean, there have been some great games here lately. And last season was the first time, I believe, in the Dak and Wentz and, and Zeke, for that matter, era where uh, where the game in Philly was significant because in both 2016 and 2017, uh, you know, in, in the year before, the Cowboys had clinched the one seed and it was just kind of a whatever game. And the next year, the mm-hmm. Eagles uh, in the same position before they would go on to win the Super Bowl. And, you know, that game in Philly last year was really where this uh, I don't know if I want to use the word era, but this sort of version of the Cowboys were born. That was Leighton Vanderish's coming out party that kicked yeah. off the five game winning streak for them that uh, set them up for the playoff run last season. And so I think it would be meaningful, certainly for the Cowboys to go into Philly and to win the division, you know, on a night like that, um, you know, that, it, that it's going to be. Um, it's, uh, it's a, it's an intense rivalry and, you know, or I, and I mean this with all respect, but there's a healthy respect, I think, between Cowboys fans and Giants and Redskins fans. There's only hatred for the Eagles. <laughs> no, that goes both ways, man. That's, that's, that's a two lane highway for sure. And, um, you know, both these teams come into this game, uh, having had very, very weird seasons. They're both seven and seven, but, uh, the Cowboys and the Eagles have gotten to those records in in very different ways, and I think if you take an objective look at the talent on both of these rosters, there's there's you can understand why the Eagles might be at seven and seven, given all the injuries they've had at wide receiver, with easily the worst wide receiver core in the NFL at this point. Um, but you've gotten you've got a, a number of other headwinds that have been facing the Eagles. Uh, the defense is. Is, has really been up and down. They don't have the personnel to do a lot of the things uh, that Jim Schwartz wants them to do. The Cowboys, on the other hand, for, for our, from our perspective, it's it's a mystery why they are 7-7 seven and seven because you look at the offensive talent that they have there with Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, some other good receivers. Gallup is a, look, is a very good-looking uh, young wide receiver. They've got a good offensive line. Uh, the defense in past seasons has been very good. You know what is what has been holding Dallas back here so far this season? Because it's it it really is kind of amazing that you guys are just at five hundred. It is amazing, and uh, I think it's amazing that they got there by beating the Rams of all teams. Uh, you yeah, know, there's a bizarre victory. I mean, nobody, I, I, nobody that I know was picking the Cowboys to beat the Rams last week. No, absolutely. And I'll I'll say this, and this was really true entering the first matchup against Philly this season. That was when the Cowboys were coming off that loss to the Jets, and everybody talked about 
uh, how the Cowboys have never quit under Jason Garrett. And I, I would say that that's, you know, really, uh, really been true. Every time they've been in that, oh, this is, this is where the wheels fall off game. They always come out and they win. And, you know, they won with authority against Philly, uh, back in October, but, you know, heading into that Rams game, they had they had lost that game that, OK, our backs are against the wall. Let's show the world who we really are. And then they lost in Chicago. And so it felt like, you know, this thing had truly broken. And it's hard to know, you know, what happened against Los Angeles. But I think to explain why they're 500 is just uh, a collection of weird mistakes. I mean, you know, football is a game that. Um, you know, sometimes it's just your day, you know, sometimes every bounce, you know, falls your direction. You mentioned the, the Kamu Gruyer Hill fumble. Sometimes those calls go your way. And that was funny, you know, that it was him of all people that had uh, seemingly recovered it, given what he said entering that game a year ago. But, right. um, you know, I, I think that they've been, you know, I don't want to lump it up to that and, and sort of say, oh, they've just had bad luck because they've also made some really poor coaching decisions. I mean, they have a really prolific offense. They have a lot of talent seemingly on defense. They have one of the best point differentials in the NFL. And you look at the teams that kind of lead the league in point differential, and they're all these studs, like the Ravens and the Chiefs and, and the Patriots. And so you wonder, how are the Cowboys there? I mean, they, at many points this season, have had a better point differential than the Seahawks, for example. And so I think that they've just they've found the most specific ways to lose, if that makes sense. And I think a great sort of uh, microcosm of that, you know, everybody saw the game against the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday night football coming out of the bye. You know, they were down late, needed a touchdown to win. And Dak Prescott goes six of seven for 79 yards to put him right near the goal line. And then they just run it two times in a row and just shoot themselves in the foot. And that's kind of what they've been. They've been a team that, mm. you know, can go 80 to 85% of the way. And that last little bit, uh, you know, they've, they've not just stumbled, but they've completely cratered and it's been enough to cause them to lose games. I think, you know, everybody, you know, the Jets game was really overblown, but everybody has a really bad loss like that. They lost to the Packers. They got their teeth kicked in. They lost to the Patriots. And, you know, a lot of these losses, I think you can swallow, but it, it was that loss to Chicago. That's really the only loss this season where I have felt concerned about them, but the way they bounced back against the Rams, I mean, you got to like their odds heading into Sunday. Yeah, the Eagles have had a number of those kinds of losses this year. The loss to the Lions early in the season, the loss to the Falcons now, as we look back on it, was it was was really a, har- a horrible loss. But, you know, before that game, you lose Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey and Dallas Goddard in, in the opening warmups, and before the first series in the first quarter is over. I mean, so it's like you can at least understand that one. The The Dolphins' loss was, sure. I think, the worst loss any team, any contending team has suffered this year because there was absolutely no excuse for for losing the way they did uh, to Miami a couple years ago, giving up 37, was it 37 points they gave up to the Dolphins. I mean, how, how does... How does that happen? But uh, talking about Dallas, they did look impressive against the Rams last week. I mean, and Dak Prescott looked really good. And, and he is so... He's so funny to watch from a distance. I'm sure he's frustrating to watch at times for you guys because you see a guy in there who can do, like you said, lead a team. We've seen, as Philadelphia Eagles fans, we've seen Dak Prescott drive the length of the field over and over again late in games and lead his team on scoring drives. And, you know, you wonder why why doesn't he do that all the time? What What is Dak Prescott? What kind of season is he having right now? Because the Cowboys have a big decision to make with him this offseason. You know, I'd say, um, I'd say, you know, you're you're always going to have a sector of of fans and part of the fan base that's going to be discontent no matter what. I'm sure, you know, even in 2017, there were people that were fed up with Carson Wentz for a ridiculous reason or another. 
and there are certainly people oh, like they that. They still are. They still <laughs> well, are. <laughs> yeah. Well, these days are a little bit different, but um, a little bit better. But but you know, Dak has has been, I think, marvelous this season, and I think that Dak has had a lot of success in at times in spite of his coaching. I think he's obviously you know had some really great coaching. Everybody saw the um, the hip thing and and the dance and whatnot, but. That's really been Dak's focus, or, or was, you know, I say it has been like it's the beginning of the season, but that was his focus coming into this was mechanics and, you know, where, where your foot is when, when you launch and, and the, the tiny little details that I think uh, had, had been glossed over perhaps by him, you know, certainly through college and maybe early on in his NFL career. And I think, you know, to answer the question, who is Dak Prescott? I think he's, he's the answer, you know, to be vague. I, I think that he's the person that if the game's on the line, that's where you want the ball if you're a Cowboys fan and I think that he's proven that he's capable of doing that you know last week against the Rams he was in a a bit more of a luxurious position you get you know 200 rushing yards almost 300 I mean you're going to be doing fine any day of the week but I think Dak has developed into into a quarterback that can do just about anything you need he can go for 400 yards if that's what you really need he can you know sit back and chill he can you know the Cowboys finally utilized a quarterback sneak on fourth and one against the Rams he can be that guy and so I think we've seen his skill set be more diverse this season and I think that he's somebody who Cowboys fans feel a great level of peace in uh, when the ball is in his hands when things are close when things are contentious etc and I, I, I don't know I mean my perception is that I don't know that Eagles fans necessarily feel that way with Carson Wentz but he has you know a really difficult situation with you know no wide receivers and stuff Dak does have the benefit of having uh, a strong supporting cast or at least a stronger one than Carson and uh, mm-hmm. I, I think he's using it effectively which is the most important thing you can ask of him. Yeah, I mean, over his last three games against the Eagles, Prescott has put up passer ratings of 102.8, 104.9, and 100.5. And I uh, was looking at some of the numbers with, with, with Dak, and it's you know, it's it's kind of interesting that I I don't know how the Eagles are gonna are gonna stop him here on Sunday afternoon because um, he like most quarterbacks does does worse uh, when when under pressure he, when he's not under pressure his quarterback rating is well over a hundred when he's under pressure it's much lower but he also does well against the blitz according to PFF he's 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 better against uh, the blitz than when he's not being blitzed and so in other words you got to beat him with four with with a, a four man rush and. The Eagles, because they can't play up at the line, because they can't play tight man coverage, uh, they because you know Dallas has some good weapons in Amari Cooper and 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 Gallup and, and guys who can who can beat them down the field. The Eagles have to play soft in zone, and so Prescott can get that ball out quickly. And I would imagine that that's going to be the formula again here on Sunday: is allow Dak to to try and get the ball out as quickly as possible. Would that be accurate? I think so. You know, um, I think a lot of it is just mechanically he's able to do something like that. But I think philosophically, Dak is is a different guy and his approach is different. He um he was on a show that that the DallasCowboys.com staff puts together last week actually, and he told a story about an analogy that John Kitten, the Cowboys quarterbacks coach, has has really kind of introduced to him that sort of changed the way he approached things. And uh, and he said that that John Kitten talks about when you're in line at Golden Corral. And, uh, you know, and, and you get in line, there's all the food, there's the entire buffet, et cetera. And the prime rib is at the end of the line. And, and you want to, you know, you want to wait. Some people want to wait like, oh, I'm going to wait in line. I'm not going to get anything because I want to eat the prime rib. Dak said that John Kitten's approach is, well, dude, don't pass 
on the chicken fried steak right here. We're going to get that. We're going to pick that up and we're going to wait in line and we're ultimately we're going to get that prime rib, but we're not going to pass on anything that we see, you know, here in the interim just because we have our eyes focused on the prime rib. And so I, I do believe that that's why Dak is so much better this season. And he has guys, shifty guys like Randall Cobb and, you know, obviously Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup that can work the middle of the field. And I think he's done a, a great job. And, and you mentioned against four man fronts of just taking what's available to him. And then that sets up, uh, you know, forgive me for going full circle here, but the prime rib shot, which he's been able uh, to execute effectively when he's needed to. What's going on with Amari Cooper? His production mm. level has been down. It seems like he's struggling with injury and uh, it's really affecting him. And I, I know Dak Prescott is a is a completely different quarterback with Amari Cooper on the field. And I think, you know, he, it shows the importance of having a true number one wide receiver, something that Carson Wentz really has not had since the 2017 season. I mean, they, they thought they were getting a good a good speed guy in Deshaun Jackson at the start of the season. It looked great for one game <laughs> having him in there. Uh, but obviously that didn't last too long. And Alshon Jeffrey was a shell of what he was in 2017. And now he's done for the season. And so looks like they get Nelson Aguilar back here on Sunday. But uh, I mean, that is, that's no great shakes. And so uh, you're looking at Nelson Aguilar, JJ Ortega, Whiteside, Greg Ward as your top three wide receivers. And, you know, it's understandable that, you know, Wentz might have some trouble with Amari Cooper on the field, Dak Prescott's a totally different quarterback. It just it brings such a it's such a dimension to the offense. It gives him a true weapon on the outside. You see with Dak Prescott especially how important it is to have a true number one wide receiver on the outside. But over the last few weeks, Amari hasn't really been that type of guy. So what's going on with him? Well, you know, I think this is an interesting element to this game specifically because Amari had such an effect uh, in his first Cowboys Eagles game last season, obviously. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I mean, you know, and and to you know, you mentioned Dak's you know ratings and, and stuff. Um, you know, his last couple games against the Eagles. You know, a lot of that. I mean, if a tip ball doesn't end up in Amari Cooper's hands, I mean, a lot of this is a very different thing. And uh, for what it's worth, I would be remiss if I did not mention that Amari Cooper's Cowboys are eight zero against the NFC East. That includes uh, obviously some some big time wins against the Philadelphia Eagles. Three and zero, I believe, Amari's record. Uh, but in terms of what's ailing him right now, it's a little bit of everything. I mean, he's had a foot, he's had a thigh, he's had a bruise. I mean, he's been nicked up and that's really affected him. I think it's obvious. And there are some people starting to wonder, you know, you know, the way people can be, uh, is this the Amari that Oakland saw there at the end? But he truly has just been bumped and bruised in a lot of ways, a variety of ways. And, you know, he didn't show up huge uh, or in a huge way last week against the Rams, but he had some tough catches. I mean, he only had, uh, you know, a, a pedestrian day as far as his career is concerned, but the, the will is still there. I think the want to still there. It's just been a matter of, you know, things not fully materializing because he's been hurt and in game situations and whatnot. And, you know, you're right that Dak is a different guy and certainly a very different dude when Amar is available. But where the Cowboys have not, you know, fortunately for them, regressed because, I mean, I think everybody remembers who they were prior to Amari landing with them last season is they do have Michael Gallup to lean on now. I mean, they have a certifiable other option besides Amari Cooper that has alleviated, I think, Amari's responsibilities and has made Dak's life all the more easy. And as much as we talk about Dak and Amari Cooper here, Ezekiel Elliott is, is really the guy the Eagles can't beat. They've never beaten the Cowboys with Ezekiel Elliott on the field. And as much as Schwartz wants to stop the run first, you know, we talk about it a lot, how how antiquated it is that he's so focused on stopping the run uh, at the expense of the passing, uh, the passing defense a lot of the times. It is interesting. They, they have never really been able to stop Ezekiel Elliott. How does Zeke continue to beat Jim Schwartz in the Eagles defense over and over again? You know, I think um, 
I, I, the Cowboys obviously understand how to use the run game effectively. You know, that's been their MO for a long time. Uh, and that's who they were before Zeke, honestly. I mean, I think, you know, Eagles fans probably remember DeMarco Murray in, in that season quite well. And, and certainly DeMarco's mm-hmm. chapter in Philadelphia, I would venture to guess. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, Zeke is, is special. And I think Zeke is special in, in a lot of ways, ways that aren't really even fully measured. Uh, you know, John Mishota covers the Cowboys for the Athletic, and he pointed out on Tuesday, you know, Zeke has, has only ever been on an injury report four times in his career. For example, I mean, you know, that's a, wow. a way that Zeke is so special. And I, I think that we still, in a lot of ways, continue to undervalue him and underrate him. I think, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, excellence is just so normal for him that very good becomes pedestrian. And so I think that Zeke is he's he's a slob. That's something he's uh, sort of called himself. And he's a guy who knows how to get those tough yards and all the football cliches. And he knows how to establish the run and upset football, Twitter and analytics and everything. Uh, (laughs) But but he is he's the most reliable thing. If you can set your watch by anything when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, it's that Zeke Elliott is the best runner on the field. And, you know, more often than not, you can trust that he's going to find a way. And what's special about him is he's able to, uh, again, speaking cliches to turn those those two yard gains into six yard gains and it and those things add up and i think uh you know the threat of zeke certainly aids all the more in the play action and uh he's a very very valuable piece of the offense and, and tony pollard has only made the run game more lethal as, a, as I, was, I was watching some highlights of the, the game earlier this year, and, and missed tackles by the Eagles were, were just tremendous. I mean, one, one missed tackle after another well, against everybody, Zeke. Uh, and, and, and everybody remembers the Malcolm Jenkins missed tackle on Zeke. That's, that was oh a, a, God, a nice man. moment for Cowboys fans. <laughs> um, yeah, I can imagine that. It was, it was uh, the... Uh, some, that was the leap you're talking about, right? The hurdle over over Malcolm was that what is that the one? No, uh, earlier the matchup this year at AT and T Stadium when Malcolm just oh, yeah, bounced yeah, 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 right yeah. off of Zeke. Uh, that's right. You know, that's and that's right. honestly though, that's that's part of what makes Zeke special. You know, he's a guy. And I do feel like I'm just, you know, trying to poke at football Twitter, but he's a guy who seeks contact. And I, I do believe that that however little value that has some sort of value that, you know, you're in for a long day with Z because he's going to try to hurt you yeah. as much as you're going to hurt him. And I think that that uh, that takes a toll. You got to have balance. I mean, there's no doubt when you've got a dynamic running back like that, you get, you, you've got to use it. I mean, there's a reason they still employ running backs in this league. They, they do help you win football games, especially when you've got a super talented one. So uh, before we hit our break, um, if you're play- if you're scheming up the Eagles defense, how do you scheme up a defense that can shut down the Cowboys? What do they what do the Eagles have to do to to stop the how have other defenses managed to slow the Cowboys down this year? Because the Cowboys have not been a dynamic offense every week. Well, I think, you know, one obvious answer is to take away Amari Cooper. If you can neutralize him, that's, you know, Stephon Gilmore. And you know it's easy to say, just be Stephon yeah. Gilmore. But he did a fantastic job of that in New England. Uh, so I, I think that that's one element, although uh, the secondary in Philadelphia, I don't know, is, is quite yeah, necessarily. I don't think that's happening. Okay. <laughs> yeah. but, but I will say, you know, uh, a thorn in, in the Cowboys side has long been Fletcher Cox. And I think dominating the middle of, of the trenches is a big way to just disrupt everything. You mentioned that Dak is great, you know, certainly when facing pressure and things like that. But, I mean, the Cowboys are playing Xavier Suofilo at left guard. And, and for what it's worth, he made his first start of the season last year on the road in Philadelphia. But that is that is a point of weakness for them. And, you know, this is an offensive line that now features three pro bowlers once again. But it is older, is, a, you know, a little bit more weathered. And, and I think if you can have success there, you can disrupt the whole mechanism. 
We'll step away, take a quick break. When we come back, we'll flip things around and we'll take a look at the Dallas defense and how the Eagles offense matches up with that. And uh, we'll get to some predictions uh, coming up here in just a minute. That's all up next here on Eye on the Enemy. And we're back on Eye on the Enemy, talking with RJ Ochoa from the Cowboys SB Nation site, Blogging the Boys. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. So, RJ, um, looking at the uh, Dallas Cowboys defense right now, I was looking at their DVOA numbers today. I was shocked to see them where they are. 22nd in defensive DVOA so far this year. The Eagles are 16th. I would never have guessed that the Eagles were had a better where have been a more efficient defense this year than the Dallas Cowboys. What is going what is going on with the Cowboys defense that routinely gives the Eagles fits? Well, that routinely gives the Eagles fits, I would um, you know, certainly in recent memory I would attribute that to uh stellar linebacker play. I mean, again, Leighton yes. Vanderesh has has been phenomenal. And Jalen Smith, uh, you know, his coming out party was really last season. And, you know, Demarcus Lawrence, there was that that long running joke that he didn't have a sack against Lane Johnson and everything. But I, I think that, you know, just constant pressure and, and I think capitalizing on mistakes. This has always been an opportunistic defense. Not that those opportunities come uh, at a high volume, but they, they have tended to, at least in the past, capitalize and maximize opportunities. You mentioned the two turnovers to start the game earlier in the season, but um, overall, this is a pretty, you know, bad is harsh, but it's a pretty pedestrian defense. And, you know, I think people look, I mentioned DeMarcus Lawrence, he did get paid. I think he's played well, but uh, the middle of that Cowboys defense is very susceptible. And, and to be fair, we're coming off of a game that, that Sean Lee was great in, but Leighton Vanderish uh, has been hurt, but even before then wasn't playing well. And, and there's a lot of Cowboys fans who have kind of, you know, had it up to here, so to speak, with Jalen Smith. Uh, he has not been, you know, the same player uh, that he was a season ago, and, and he's been a bit of a letdown. And, and, you know, this is a week where everyone's riding a little bit high, but the Cowboys can be exposed there. The Eagles are are obviously coming into this game really shorthanded. I mentioned they'll have Aguilar back, it sounds like, uh, on Sunday, but he has not been very good this season, just especially on the deep ball, as has been well documented everywhere. Um but even without Aguilar and without Alshon and without Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson, without Jordan Howard, with a bunch of practice squad guys, they've managed to put up 50 points in the last six quarters plus overtime. So I think a lot of that obviously comes down to the play of Carson Wentz. And he's led these he, he's led, he led a, a huge comeback against a bad Giants team on Monday Night Football a couple weeks ago and then led another comeback, another fourth quarter, last minute drive against a, a bad Washington team. Uh, last Sunday, but I think it's these are maturation steps that Carson Wentz has taken here over the last couple of weeks. And let's be honest, if it's not for an Aguilar drop touchdown pass against Atlanta and a dropped Arthega Whiteside touchdown uh, catch against the Detroit Lions, uh, Carson would have already had two signature fourth quarter comeback wins this year. So, you know, you you can't make too much of the clutch thing that everybody likes to talk about. But when you look at the Eagles' offense, how are they scoring? How are they scoring points with the talent that they have on offense right now? Well, you know, I would uh, I would certainly chalk at least the last two weeks, maybe even the last three weeks, up to competition. You know, quality of the competition. I think that's important. Uh, but I, I think you know, look, the Dak Wentz thing is fun, and we have a lot of fun at BTB, and I know you guys do too. But I mean, Carson's oh, yeah. a, Carson's a great quarterback, and and Carson, call it clutch, call it whatever. I think. Carson Carson's got an ability to go win you a game, uh, whether you can measure that or not. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of metrics, but he's got an ability to, to, to show up and to show out. You mentioned, you know, he certainly uh, has had opportunities squandered uh, by what's around him at different points this season and even before this season. And so I think that it ultimately all runs 
through Carson to a degree, but I, I think that, you know, that's certainly an Achilles heel. Obviously, it has a, a bit of a fumbling problem that's well documented, but in terms of how they're scoring, I think that the Eagles are are very good at, you know, at, at, and I know that maybe Eagles fans don't agree with this right now, but I think they're very good at, at flipping a switch. I do believe that the Eagles, you know, they, they realize in maybe in the middle of a game, okay, crap, you know, everything just got bad. We have to fix this right away. And I think that they can. I think they've shown that over the, the two games that they've won recently. And I think that they can certainly do it against the Cowboys if they willed themselves enough. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing is is they've been able to, like you said, flip the switch, but it has been against uh, inferior opponents. But that's why I'm not sure what to make of the Dallas defense because they have been good against Doug Peterson in in, in past games, especially these these last three games. And and getting off, I think whichever team gets off to a fast start is has won these last few games because it's been Dallas that's gotten off to the quick start in each of these last three games. But at, as we look at Carson Wentz, and now we see what he's done the last couple of weeks, the big thing that nobody really talks about is that Carson Wentz has stayed healthy throughout mm-hmm. the course of the season. Um, so that's been a big hurdle that he's that he's overcome. He's getting these big games in, in late December. He's never played late December football, not since his rookie season in 2016. So this is all, this is all kind of new for Carson Wentz. And with Dak Prescott, he's been here before. He's played in these kinds of games before, but... Um, when you compare these two guys, I'll put you on the spot. Who would you rather have over the next, let's say, five years? Would you rather have Carson Wentz or Dak Prescott? You know, being objective, I, I don't know how the answer is not Dak Prescott right now. I, I think that, you know, of, of the two, you know, I think the greater peak that we've seen is certainly Carson Wentz. You know, Carson in 2017 was phenomenal, but I, I think it's fair to say, you know, to a degree, I'd be curious if you would agree that right now, you know, and we're only, you know, almost four years into these guys, but right now, 2017, from a statistical standpoint, is the outlier for Carson Wentz. Whereas, and, and so I feel the mean for Dak Prescott is higher. And, and, uh, and Dak seems to be an ascending player. And while I would not call Carson Wentz a descending player by any mean or any notion, I would say that he's a little bit more, you know, he's like a sine curve. You know, I mean, he, he's up and down. And, and I don't, I don't know that Dak Prescott experiences those lows or necessarily has this season. I think the lows that Dak has are when the team overall is flat. And maybe you want to attribute that to Dak, but, um, I, I think I would take Dak and I, I mean, it's not, you know, a landslide by any means, but I, I think objectively Dak right now is the best quarterback of his draft of his draft class. Excuse me. See, I, I, I'll take Carson because, you know, I, I look at these two guys and I see them. I, I think Carson's got, I think Carson's the more talented quarterback. Like you said, I think the ceiling is, is higher on him and, and maybe Carson has a slightly lower floor, but I think if you, if you put these two guys and you gave them the exact same talent around them. I think Carson Wentz gets more out of the talent than Dak Prescott does. I think Carson Wentz, if he's if he's the quarterback of the Cowboys this year, I don't think the Cowboys are seven and seven. I'll put it that way. I think the Cowboys have nine wins. I think the Cowboys have ten wins at this point. And, and I, I think that so much of what Carson's dealt with over the it's really hard to judge too because he lost so much development time in 2017 sure. and 2018 with with the knee injury that you'd like to see him having had a full 2017 and having had a 2018 where he wasn't coming back from the knee injury and then dealing with the the back issue last year. But I, I think I, I think the Wentz skill set and uh, the the ability that he's shown in 2017, and I I don't push 2017 aside as quickly as as some do. I think the fact that he did what he did in 2017 shows you what he's capable of at the NFL level, which is a level that only three or four other quarterbacks, five other quarterbacks in the league 
can get to. Mm-hmm. And so I would bet I would want that. I, I would want I would want that upside um, over the next five years over Dak Prescott. I think that, you know, that's certainly a fair way to slice this. I think, you know, I, I think Carson is like, you know, he's he's maybe the best meal, you know, somebody's ever had. Right. You went to this one restaurant one time, you got an incredible meal. But, you know, other than that, you know, maybe the meals have just been unimpressive. And I'm not trying to call Carson unimpressive by any means. But Dak is that restaurant that you go to and everything you get there is pretty good. You know, you like the steak, you like the chicken, you like the fish, whatever. And, and you've really never been disappointed. And so that, you know, maybe call it maybe feeling safer. Uh, you know, I did think it was interesting. A lot of Cowboys fans thought it was interesting. PFF. Uh, you mentioned had their war, you know, metric that they talked about last week, and it was their argument why Russell Wilson should be the MVP of the season, which is a whole different discussion. But Dak Prescott was second in the NFL in terms of quarterbacks, uh, in terms of you know the most wins they've attributed for their own team. They measured him with six wins uh, last last week when the Cowboys were six and seven, and so I think that Dak has has been a strong more, more so than ever. I mean, we're talking twenty eight nineteen. Dak Prescott is a very different quarterback than the years prior. Um, you know, I, I think he's he's been the reason. He's been the foundation for the Cowboys, which hasn't always been the case. I will. I, I'm always curious. You know, anytime I get a chance to talk to a, a bright Eagles mind like you, I, I don't think there's any denying that Carson has been dealt perhaps the most difficult hand that any individual quarterback could ever face from a psyche standpoint. I mean, how much do you, yes. how much do you attribute? And I'm I don't want to say you know poor performance, but for lack of a better term, the poor performance to that because I mean. I think that people don't properly qualify what he's gone through because if the same situation that he experienced happened, you know, with call it the Cardinals, I mean, it's nowhere near yeah. as impactful because this is a, a very rabid and passionate franchise. And to, to have to watch that, I, I just I mean, it would be very difficult. No, the Nick Foles thing totally has has rented room in his head. There, there's no doubt about it. And I think he's put way too much pressure on himself over the over the last couple of years trying to. He, you know, I think he felt like that that was his Super Bowl in 2017. That that was his chance, and it got it got taken away from him. And uh, the the city and his a lot of his teammates fell in love with Nick Foles. I will tell you that this year, I mean, I think much of the Orlando Scandrick interview that mm. that came down in the middle of the season was a lot of hot garbage. But I do think there were many many players in that locker room that preferred playing with Nick Foles. Uh, Nick Foles, you know, off the field had a special way about him. He 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 did get his teammates to to love him and and he performed what seemed to be some miracles in 2017 and 2018. But that's why when when Chris Long put up uh, uh, uh he put up like the a little shrine the, yeah, to the, Nick the, Foles the candles and, and everything, yeah. Yeah, I and I just I hated that and I thought that that was something like if I'm Carson Wentz, how am I taking that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that that would that's a clear sign that these guys prefer Nick Foles to me. So I'm that's in my head. That is absolutely in my head and I think dealing you know trying to overcome the injuries, trying to to win your Super Bowl. I think Carson Wentz came into last year and this year thinking I have got to win a Super yeah. Bowl. And 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 that's the and that was the only thing on his mind rather than just taking it one game at a time, one play at a time, going out there and having fun. I think these last 2 weeks are the first 2 weeks I've seen since 2017 where Carson Wentz has looked like he's having fun on the football field. Mm. I think, and I think that's a huge thing. I think you hit the nail on the head, RJ. I think that's absolutely been a big factor in why Carson Wentz has been up and down. No, it makes sense. I mean, and it makes sense that, you know, if Carson were ever to find himself in a Super Bowl with the Eagles, you know, he would, it would make sense to want to win it by more points than Nick Foles wanted. You know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's yeah, just, it's yeah. human nature. Um, I, I'm curious, uh, hypothetical, and if you'll humor me, 
and you know, I, I can say with full or earnest honesty that I hope this is the case. I hope you experience much happiness and joy. But if Carson, <laughs> if Carson Wentz were to never win a Super Bowl, call it say as a 15 year career, uh, and and so obviously that would be another drought for the Eagles. But would you look back and in a very weird and twisted way, and I think the overwhelming answer here is no. But would you look back and say, I almost wish that the Eagles had not won Super Bowl Fifty Two, so so that that element wouldn't have existed, so that so that Carson would have never had that mental block, because maybe then on his own merits, Carson could have won two, Carson could have won won three. I mean, would would you ever at least have that thought? I don't think so, but the multiverse would be an interesting way to to think about it, because yeah, maybe you know if Nick Foles. You know, if if Carson Wentz uh, doesn't get hurt and they and they fall short in 2017, uh, you know, or, I don't or know, even if he does get hurt and Nick Foles just can't do it, you know what I mean? Like it, the, yeah, the yeah, situation yeah. is yeah. not the same. Right, exactly. And so now you're not, and now he doesn't have the the ghost of Nick Foles, the, mm-hmm. the Nick Foles statue uh, looking at him every right. time uh, he he takes the field. That's an it's an interesting thought. I, you know, I don't know. I think you know the injuries the Eagles have suffered these last uh, couple of years probably keeps them from winning a Super Bowl anyway. So I think I, I would rather just take that one, put it in the bag. It was an, an amazing memory, and you know the, it, we'll always have that. That's so fair. you know, I yeah, I think I would rather just bank that. And uh, if Carson Wentz goes the next fifteen years or whatever it is without a Super Bowl, then so be it. But um, yeah, I don't I don't think I would trade it. But it's an interesting it's an interesting. Uh, thought exercise, you know, and um, I I do wonder what Carson Wentz would have been like. I mean, I don't know if his 2018 would have been any different than it was because of the injuries that went on. And uh, in 2019, you know, again, the injuries uh, to his supporting cast probably uh, keeps him from from winning a Super Bowl this year. And I don't know that the pressure would be a whole lot less on him from the fan base. Right. And I imagine, um, you know, the 2018 season, you know, didn't help, you know, and and maybe that's part of the, yeah. the issue this season. I mean, I know the Eagles didn't win the Super Bowl, but just, you know, I mean, on some, again, I mean, Carson can say what he wants, and I'm not trying to outright call him a liar, but on some level, you've just got to have this, are you freaking kidding me thought, you know, like. Oh, for sure. And, and so, you know, in a because all, and, and that's why, maybe that's an easier year to say, I wish the Eagles had just lost out when Carson got hurt in 2018, because right. all that did was just exacerbate the, the whatever the problem is that we've discussed and defined. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think the 2018 season was the season where people thought maybe Nick Foles really is a right. deity. You know, maybe he really maybe he really is magic. I, I think that's the one because it, it was like, OK, 17 wasn't a fluke. Maybe Nick Foles really should be our guy. And I'll, I, I'll bet you that that got implanted in some Eagles players. Heads, sure. And if, uh, in the, in, if in you'll the allow me, sorry, I, I find this topic fascinating. Um, I, yeah. I do think that that Nick Foles getting hurt this season in a weird way adds to that, because if Nick Foles had been the Jaguars quarterback for all 14 games at this point and they were two and 12, you know, if you're Eagles player X, you're like, oh, OK, well, you know, clearly Nick is not the guy, you know, that we, we had a fun ride together, whatever. But he's obviously not this this dude. But, you know, Nick Foles has this sort of and I know he's struggled certainly at times in Jacksonville, but mm-hmm. he has this kind of, well, you know, if, if Nick was here or if Nick had this, you know, you can still kind of, you know, subscribe to, to that legend. And so. Um, I, I feel for Carson. I've I've long equated. I don't know. Have you seen the movie Pearl Harbor by chance? Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. He is uh, he is Ben Affleck at the end when Josh Hartnett's <laughs> character has died, and Ben Affleck yeah. is then with Liv Tyler and Josh Hartnett's child. That's who who Carson <laughs> wins. <laughs> That's a great comparison, and I, I think and and you know we can we can kind of uh, end on this, but I I think one of the um, 
the great things about these last two weeks, maybe it's been a blessing in, dis- in disguise mm. for Carson Wentz to lose all of his receivers to 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 have sure. to go on, to have to go to war with Greg Ward and Boston Scott and and uh, and Josh Perkins and and pull these last two games out against bad opponents. There's no doubt about the fact they've played weak opponents the last two weeks, but to be able to pull these two games out, it was very Nick Folesian. Sure, and that's the point I've been making these last couple of weeks. These are wins that Nick Foles would have pulled out in the same way that Nick Foles would have pulled them on, pulled them out. And so maybe this is enough for his teammates to say, you know what, maybe, Car- you know, Carson Wentz can do that. You know, Ca- Carson, Carson can save our season like Nick did. Carson can work his own magic. You know, he he is the guy to lead us moving forward. And whereas if if Carson had his full complement and they were winning these games, he'd be like, well, yeah, you're supposed to win with sure. a healthy Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. But that was one of the good things, I think, that have come from the Eagles being hit with the injury bug so drastically here this season. It's proven that, you know, Carson Wentz can be, a, can does have a little Nick Foles in him. Yeah, and maybe not, maybe not in the locker room, but on the field for sure. So it's, it's definitely interesting. So let's talk about this game here real quick. The Cowboys come in as two and a half point favorites on the road. Does that make you nervous at all? I mean, road being a road favorite, given, given the, the way the Cowboys season has gone, I can't say I'm surprised because the Cowboys on paper should win this football game on Sunday. But I guess that that line is coming from their win against the Rams last week. So I guess how much do you believe in last week's win over the Rams making the Cowboys a two and a half point favorite for Sunday? You know, it's interesting that you bring up lines. You know, the Cowboys opened as uh, as three point favorites over the Rams. And, you know, people were were pretty yeah. stunned by that and, and thought, you know, because the Rams were, you know, oh, at the time, you know, that Seahawks game hadn't been played. But still, I mean, uh, it was it was very confusing. They've been favored in a majority of their games because I think people do look at their roster and people do think they have a lot of talent. Um, I, I think, you know, th- this Cowboys team, I was in the locker room last week and, and there was nothing but, there, you know, typically after they win, there's a lot of, you know, I don't want to say chest pounding, but there's a lot of, okay, you know, we're the Cowboys, but there was nothing but relief. I mean, I think, you know, that they felt the need to get a win and they certainly got one. And so being two and a half point favorites, I think is the the proper amount of confidence that they need this. I don't know that you can, you know, this team is a little irresponsible when you give them too much confidence, too much power, but I think this is just <laughs> enough. This is okay. You can go to the movies with your friends, but you got to be home by 10 o'clock. You know, it's, it's the right curfew uh, for them to have. All right, so let's make a prediction here on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Cowboys come into Philadelphia. They've had the Eagles number. They won last year in Philadelphia. They're coming off a big win against the Rams. The Eagles obviously uh, kind of depleted on offense and defensively have had uh, numerous struggles here over the last couple of weeks. How do you see this one shaking out, RJ? You know, I'm going to pick the Cowboys to win um, and to win handily. I think that that's just, you know, that's if if they win, it's going to be a handing, you know, sort of win. I think it's like 30 to 17 in that regard. And I think it's a game that they're sort of comfortable in the entire time. Um, I, I don't see them winning a close game because I think if, if things get close and hairy and precarious, I think they fold. That's kind of who they've been. And so if they lose, I do think it's a sort of, you know, 1917, 1916 sort of game for them. But I, I think they'll come out and I think they'll win. And, you know, the Cowboys, as you mentioned, if they win this game, uh, capture the NFC East and uh, will effectively be the four seed. So I think that they've maybe kind of you know, sort of put themselves in the spot of, okay, let's go win this game. Let's get our hat and our t-shirt and then we can, we can take week 17 off for some guys, get right. And then, you know, try to go be Nick Foles. I mean, so I, I think that they're going to win and I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be overblown that they won because this is the <laughs> NFC East. 
Um, but uh, I think that they'll uh, they'll ultimately still part ways with Jason Garrett. But you know, we'll have a fun couple of weeks, and uh, we'll we'll all have a new hat and T-shirt under our tree on Christmas morning. I, I mistakenly uh, on a previous podcast uh, at a Freudian slip, I was talking about Jason Garrett, and I accidentally called him Jason Carrot, mm. and I think I want that to stick. You know, I, I'd like for that to be a thing sure. moving forward. So, if you want to help me in 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 your own community uh, with with that particular nickname, I'd be I'd be much obliged. Of course. So, um, <laughs> listen, folks, make sure you are reading everything R.J. Ochoa is writing for Blogging the Boys. If you want to get a look inside uh, the enemy camp and uh, see what they're talking about over at the uh, Cowboys SB Nation site, make sure you check his stuff out there. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter at R.J. Ochoa. R.J., thanks so much for coming on Eye on the Enemy, man. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much i uh, wish you and all your readers and listeners a very happy holidays merry christmas and happy new year uh, nothing but love and joy and blessings for you guys except for you know i hope you're a little bit bummed on sunday maybe the week after uh next week but other than that you know love joy and good times for all of you all right so rj gave you his thoughts on how he th- sees things going uh, on sunday afternoon let me give you my thoughts on uh, how this thing's going to play out on sunday and i wish i had a real strong feel for this game one way or the other because my mind is telling me to take the Dallas Cowboys. The, the Cowboys have more talent on paper. Their win against the Rams on Sunday afternoon was incredibly impressive. That's the Cowboys team we all thought we were going to see this year. That's the Cowboys team we really should have been seeing week in and week out. And you wonder why. Why haven't you seen that Cowboys team more often this season? Because they have the talent. They have the players. They have the tools to be one of the better teams in the NFC. And yet, for for many weeks they they've been lousy and the eagles have excuses for for being lousy they've they've been hit by the injury bug on offense defensively they just don't have a they don't have great personnel and that is the big worry for me i'm not as concerned about the eagles offense going up against the cowboys defense although that will be a challenge the the prospect of Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, and Ezekiel Elliott against this defense terrifies me, given how the Eagles have given up points to the Giants and to Washington over the last couple of weeks, teams without a whole lot of talent. The Cowboys have way more talent offensively than those two teams. The Eagles have never been able to stop Ezekiel Elliott. He runs all over them. The Eagles' tackling has been terrible this season. They, If they could just wrap guys up, they would solve a lot of these problems, but they, they're, they're terrible tackling. They have not been able to get to the quarterback. And this is where, and I mentioned this briefly with RJ, this is where the Eagles are, are I think this is the most important matchup of the game. How can the Eagles get pressure with their four-man front? on Dak Prescott, because here's the problem. Dak Prescott does well against the Blitz. So if you bring extra attackers, he's going to find the open man. He's going to find his hot read. And this team cannot play press coverage. They cannot play man-to-man coverage. They will get beat deep by Amari Cooper or, or Michael Gallup. They they will get beat if they play man-to-man, if they, if they blitz a lot. We've seen it happen week after week after week. So Jim Schwartz has to play zone. He has to play, he has to play soft cover two, cover three. And if he does that, you're depending on your defensive line to win their reps against a talented Cowboys offensive line. And I think the Eagles are going to have Derek Barnett back on Sunday, which will help. But Derek Barnett and Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox have not been winning the one-on-one battles for most of the season. And when they have, the quarterback's been getting the ball out too quickly for them to be able to get there because they play in soft zones. So, I don't know how they get pressure on Dak Prescott. I mean, they probably bring the occasional blitz, and maybe one or two of them get home and and you sack Dak Prescott, and maybe you can force him into a fumble or a turnover, because Dak will turn the ball over. 
And we know the Eagles have struggled getting turnovers. They, as Michael Kiss likes to say, have butts for hands. When there are interception opportunities there, the Eagles will find a way to, to use their fists to smash the ball into the ground whether that, rather than haul it in, or, or they'll, they'll be unable to win those 50-50 battles, as we saw against the Dolphins over and over again. So that's my nightmare is this Cowboys offense doing exactly what RJ said, putting up 30 points on this defense. I can see it happening in my mind. That being said, I think the Eagles have a huge advantage here on the coaching side. Doug Peterson, his work these last couple of weeks, finding a way for the Eagles offense to score points has been nothing short of miraculous. What the Eagles have gotten from Greg Ward, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott have been nothing short of miraculous. And I think Carson Wentz is on a real roll right now. He's got to protect the ball. He's got to be. He's got to have better pocket awareness. But I think the Eagles will manage to score points on the Cowboys. I think the Eagles will keep this close. And frankly, the Cowboys' couple wins against their their last couple wins against the Eagles, especially the two games in Dallas, the Cowboys have benefited from early Eagles turnovers, early mistakes going their way. Um, a benefit of the a benefit of calls by the referees and early in games has gone their way too. That kind of stuff is not sustainable over the long term. I don't think the Eagles are going to be a turnover machine early in this game. If they are, if they give, if they turn the ball over early, they're not going to win. They've got no chance because the Cowboys will convert. But I think my head is telling me to take the Cowboys. I th- I can't do it. I'm going to take the Eagles. My heart is do- is leading me down this path. I think it is a close game. I think the Eagles end up pulling this thing out 27-24, a late field goal by Jake Elliott. Uh, manages to put the Eagles over the top. I don't feel confident at all in that pick, but I just don't have the heart to pick the Cowboys here, so I will take the Birds to beat the Cowboys in this playoff-type game for them here in Week 16. And then, of course, the Eagles need to finish things up by beating the New York Giants in Week 17, but uh, we'll jump off that bridge if we get to it. If the Cowboys win, the Eagles' season is essentially over. That'll do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. My thanks to RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys for coming on and giving us an inside look at the Dallas Cowboys. And don't forget, folks, to subscribe to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. And if you already have but haven't left a review, please make sure you do that. Give us a five-star rating and a review. Let us know what you think of the show. Uh, That would go a long way to helping out the podcast. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. Yeah.